0: I'm going to wear my shades like the rappers do on the radio. Please do. Uh, if you could be more like T-Pain, that would be awesome. You got the mic set up for me to do the, uh, whatchamacallit? I don't know what your... Autotune. Oh, the autotune. I was going to say, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what your much McCall yeah. is, but... <laughs> Everyone might remember Bo way back from episode nine when we interviewed him talking about the Buffalo Trace barrel program, and this is going to be an update to see what he's been up to and how he's handing off the reins a little bit. This was recorded on a day when I was actually at Buffalo Trace along with John Johnson of the Wine Rack and Jim MacArthur of Harvest Restaurant here in Louisville picking out a barrel of Buffalo Trace. These bottles will actually be available in about two to three weeks at both locations, so make sure you go and scoop one up. We tried four different barrels that day, and the one we chose had a much more robust uh, say more like robust profile. Rather than the others, it seemed almost a little too smooth. So for less than $30, I can guarantee you, you're gonna like it. I'll probably put a few up for cost plus shipping offers out there for those that are outside of the city. So make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to see where I'm gonna post it. We did a drawing for the Russell's Reserve bottle last week, and congratulations are due for Jonathan Richardson. We hope you enjoy that bottle, man. We definitely appreciate all the great ideas and commentary that people had pushed in there as well. I know I stressed it before, but your monthly contributions through Patreon is what really helps keep this show going. Please consider going to the website, checking it out, and you can sign up to get a Bourbon Pursuit t-shirt, koozie, stickers, and much more. Go to patreon.com slash bourbonpursuit. We're actually nearing a goal right now where we will give away a bottle of bourbon per month in our monthly drawing to all of our Patreon supporters. So please go get on that. And with that, enjoy this week's episode. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Knows Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of Bourbon. We are back in a location where we were actually here firming or sorry, uh, recording and filming for one of the first times at when we first started this, uh, back when we were doing this and oh gosh, was it 2015, late 2014, whatever it was. But this is actually a funny episode and a great episode for us because a, I've had the pleasure of, uh, dealing with being with our guest all day, doing a, a few different things with, uh, tasting bourbon and picking out barrels. Uh, and not only that is, uh, our guest was also one of the first ones on. He was, uh, he was in the the single digits. He was a single-digit guest. And we're now up to uh, well past 100 episodes now. So it's great to finally have him be back on. So today on the show, we have Bo Beckman. Bo is the, maybe he still has a, a different name change, but he, for this point in time, he still is the Barrel Select Manager at Buffalo Trace. So Bo, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Surprised I'm back. I, I, I would out. say suit
0: surprise, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, people know you, right? They, uh,
1: you're, you're the man that you, you got to get in the know with to be able to do anything around here, right? (laughs) Well, uh, I don't know about that, but, you know, I can't imagine my first episode was all that fun for you, but we'll see what we can do this time. I I mean, the last time you were on here was episode nine, right? And that
0: was a long, long time ago. So I guess, I mean, that was was when we first started this, like 2015. So like, what's been happening since then? Like, because we haven't really talked too much since then. A
1: lot. Um, Mainly, people are pretty excited about this bourbon stuff. Oh yeah, how weird, right? Yeah, pretty random. Um, So we are really kind of developed our barrel program and we've hired someone new, Susanna. Mm -hmm. She now runs all the barrel selections at Buffalo Trace. Allows me to kind of free up. You figure out the vision. You figure out what the vision, the yeah, managing yeah, guy. You figure out where this is gonna go and then somebody somebody takes care of the mundane stuff which you used to take care of, right? Yeah. I like to kinda of picture it. I'm up in the uh, you know, driving the boat, got all the bells and whistles in front of me, pushing the random buttons and now we got someone kinda on the deck with the guests to hang out. You know, have fun. So has she been doing good so far? Cause,
0: she's, she's way better than Atlas. Well, good, because we had an opportunity to, uh, earlier with, uh, with uh, Susanna today to be able to kind of pick a barrel today. So it was uh, it's been good. And, and honestly, it's, it's kind of funny you say that because uh, you've managed to stay off the news radar, it seems like, for, for a good amount of time. You know, there was a news article with Forbes and you recently. Um, and then not only that, is uh, our good friend of the show, Bourbon Truth, even put something out and they, he was talking about, you know, <laughs> we're all the good private barrels. And they said, you got to lick somebody's balls around here and you he ask of Bo Beckman's actually be able to get a good private barrel around here, right? So you're, you're definitely somebody that's been recognized at yeah. this point, right? He's a super nice guy. Yeah. I really like him. Well, I, I forgetting that kind of, that's a compliment, right? <laughs> that's a compliment come out of
1: him. So I think, uh, I think it's well-deserved. Yeah, he um, was trying to sell barrels of Weller 12 to people and didn't like that we couldn't. Yeah. So apparently we are Crazy with how we allocate ever since then. Well, that's typically how anybody's gonna, any- you're not gonna please anybody no. or everybody. I'm, someone right? told me that. They said, let me know when you figure out how to please everyone. I was like, eh. yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's, that's a, that's a fine game and a, and a line to play. And it's just, that's just kind of the way it is or anything like that. So um, I, I kind of wanna go, go, go around this because we were, uh, I was with the store today and we were doing a barrel pick. Uh, it was the wine rack here in Louisville, Kentucky. And we took a, we picked a barrel buffalo trace and it was fun. And then at the very end, you came in. And you said, um, uh, we can, we can, you can actually have your barrel or we can go ahead and we can take it and ship off to Mexico. And before anybody had a chance to interrupt you, uh, (laughs) or they basically, you didn't finish your, your, your sentence. They said like, Nope, we want the barrel. Like, don't you do anything with it? Blah, 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 blah. But I kind of want to know, like, what, will. We all know that things happen after regards with bourbon barrels, whether they, they take care of beer, age coffee beans, but you said, I'm going to ship it off to Mexico. So kind of, kind of tell me about what you were thinking there.
1: Yeah, so what's kind of uh, cool about bourbon, but also sad in a sense, is when in the barrel world, when you're tasting single barrels every day and a lot of them are coming from the same warehouse with the same exact recipe, the only way to distinguish between them is the barrel itself. And so you'll hear Harlan say this, that you know the barrel itself has 50, 60% of the flavor. It's hard to quantify that, but a lot of it has to do with the barrel. So it's sad with bourbon when you pick this unbelievable barrel that you know, obviously impacted the whiskey in a great way. And now you're just saying, we're gonna bottle it and be done with that barrel. We're gonna retire that barrel. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a barrel program where we sell zone tequila. So the thought process is, well, if you're aging, you know, pretty much all these other spirits are using used barrels, used bourbon barrels to age their spirits. So the thought process is, well, if a customer picks a barrel of, say, Buffalo Trace, when we're done with it, we bottle the barrel. We usually ship them the bottles in the empty barrel. But now, instead of putting that barrel into retirement, we can send it to Mexico, to Casa San Mateus. That's our distiller there. And the customer can say, I want you to age this up to a Repo or Añejo Mm-hmm. which is basically, you know, 10 months for a repo, 16 months for Añejo. And then when it's ready, we'll bottle it and send them an empty barrel and the bottle's back. So now they have bottles of Buffalo Trace, bottles of corazon Tequila, all from the same barrel. So it kind of tells the story like, hey, you know, we handpicked this barrel. It's great. Barrel-aged tequila is also great. So it kind of connects those two. Um, just something fun to do. You know.
0: So I guess, uh, how often do you see that happen? Because today, like, they didn't even let you finish your sentence, and they're like, nope, nope, we want the barrel. Like, don't do anything with it. I don't know if they were going to do uh, – it was actually kind of funny. We we had a, a restaurant that was with us today doing uh, – it was Harvest in Louisville, and they were like, oh, we we actually do um, barrel, barrel-aged barrel sauerkraut, and they do a few different things. But, I mean, how often do people are just like, okay, Bo, like, maybe we'll give this whole uh, tequila
1: thing a shot? Yeah, so it's not really uh – Letting us doing it, we're just throwing that option out there to them. Because what happens is, if you don't offer that to everyone, then the people that do do it, when they get the bottles, then that guy comes to you and say, "Why didn't you offer that to us? Why do they get this something special?" Right. And I'm saying, "Well, we offer it to you." Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it's going to gain a lot of traction. It already has. Um, it's just it's a little bit of a logistical nightmare that we're trying to uh, figure out. So we're kind of year one groundworks with it. Mm-hmm. So you know, we've sent barrels down there, but they're not gonna be ready for 10, 16 months. So you'll probably you know, start seeing a lot of these things coming back. So we're calling it the barrel boomerang. Okay. Know? So uh, they haven't come back yet. There you so go, barrel back, boomerang, hashtag trademark that. You know, and with Sazerac, we're buying, you know, we have distillers all around the world. And so, you know, picture a long time, 50 years from now, it'd be great if you can fly around the world, pick barrels from all these distilleries, but maybe you're sending your barrel. The, the same the exact one everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. And you get to write your
0: name every single time it goes to some other uh-huh. place.
1: Right. Yeah. So maybe me and Kenny are doing this and,
0: you know, Cognac one day. Oh, gosh. If I get into Cognac, then I don't know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Well, you guys, you guys have any rum? Are you guys doing rum yet? I mean, because that seems to be like the next
1: big thing for a lot of oh, yeah. a lot of bourbon drinkers. I mean, we're developing a rum, rum portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have anything right now readily available to put in a barrel program. I do think that's really, if you can age something in a barrel, I want it in our barrel program eventually. Right. You know, I mean, right now you got you got bourbon, tequila, and vodka, right? So, it's, well, no vodka. We have well, yeah,
0: weekly, right? I mean, weekly, well, not okay. in a barrel. Program. Not in a barrel. Yeah. But yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, in the barrel program, we have Canadian whiskey and added a bunch of scotches. Okay, bourbon. So it's frustrating because people, you know, log into that single barrel select website and they click, oh yeah, here I want to buy bourbon, and then nothing's available. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Well, it's typical, right? Yeah. I mean, and let's talk about that that bourbon barrel website for, or so the single barrel select website because I know I've I, I think we talked about it last time we had you on here because that was kind of when we started getting launched up around that time. And it was a way for people to kind of go in and like they can get in the queue or whatever it is. But now it's like you have to get on like a December 31st or January 1st or whenever it is to be able to figure out like when you can get in for like the next six months.
1: Right. Is it still like that backed up? Yeah. So really, it's just I haven't figured out a better way to do it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately what happens is I'll get, you know, several inquiries a day. I can tell you do a better job. You say, who's going to line my pockets? Me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So send me a few extra five thousand dollars in a cash envelope, then yeah, yeah, it's easy. out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I have inquiries every day from groups that want to buy barrels, and they're asking, you know, what's the roadmap? How can I get to do it? And so throughout the year, some would say, well, is there a waiting list for this? I'm like, I would love to have a waiting list, but at the end of this year, let's say I have a barrel, one barrel of Weller I can sell to a consumer. And I have a thousand-person waiting list on it. Is that really a good process? A Mm -hmm. thousand-year waiting list. So the thought with the whole, you know, get to the website on December fourth is basically that's the date. By the way, it's December fourth. Now, now every retailer out there knows when to do it. Okay. The same way, you know, concerts are handled. If we have something that everybody wants to go to and there's not enough tickets, then it's first come, first serve. So on December 4th at midnight, there's basically a little switch I'm going to flick that will make Buffalo Trace and 1792 available to the consumers that Mm -hmm. have signed up for single barrel select. So in years past, I think like three years ago, I sold through the allocation after like eight months, you know, and then last year or two years ago, it was like six months. Then last year, it was like three months. And then this year, it was a day. So, Probably smokes a day. Just like that. I mean, and I, again, that I is on, the I consumer that on allocation, which yeah. there's not a lot of barrels there. You know, most of these are going to the trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's just a, a lot more people fighting for the same barrels. Right. But everyone has a crack at it. There's no, you know, hey, you're a friend, you're not, you know, Everyone's got a fair shot. They just need to make
0: better friends in the IT industry that know how to like automate and be able to quickly log in and like just kind of like
1: yeah, it's only a matter throw, of time before we get hacked. I'm yeah,
0: sure. throw ninety servers in AWS at it or something like that, right? And they can figure it out
1: at yeah. some point. That's what it's. A bit of overwhelming because you know at midnight on December fourth, all of these I'm going to get all these notifications. So and so is placing order. So and so is placing order, and I start worrying like, are they in cahoots? Are these friends? Mm-hmm. Does it matter to me? Should it matter to me? Right. You know. And, and
0: I guess that's a that's a kind of a good thing. You know, are they in cahoots? Because today was a, a collaboration between a liquor store and a, and a restaurant. I mean, do you see a lot of that kind of collaboration happening with the barrel selects of people saying like, either we'll bring in different groups or di- multiple stores or whatever it is.
1: So, especially with like the limited, so, the limited amount that yeah. can go around now, that is that is leading to it more. So historically, it didn't really make sense to split barrels up like that because it kind of defeats the purpose of buying your own barrel. But now, where you have two accounts that are dying to get a barrel, but we don't have enough, then it's like okay, well maybe splitting it with them, you know, makes sense. Now that is up to the account. So t- today, I guess basically, you know, is wine rack and harvest. So Wine Rack had to say, yeah, I'd like to split, you know, give a couple cases to Harvest, let them, Mm -hmm. you know, split this barrel with us. But ultimately, the wholesaler is the one that has to go through. Figure out all that nonsense. It's a challenge for the wholesaler. Um, But for us, you know, I think it's cool kind of, uh, you know, partnership with, if you go into Harvest and you order a Buffalo Trace, and you love it. Man, this is great Buffalo Trace. i like, yeah, we picked that. Now you can go buy it at Wine Rack. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, it's a cool little ecosystem. It's a partnership there, yeah. Definitely. So, um,
0: so we have to we have to dive into it because I'd do myself a disservice if we didn't. Um, you know, the last time we had the show, we had to talk about who you are because you, you, don't, you don't necessarily like to brag about it. You don't talk about it too much, but just kind of give everybody just a tidbit because there's a bunch of people that haven't listened to the early episodes, but they're listening now about who you are and how your lineage kind of gets you to where you are today in Buffalo Trace. So, yeah,
1: I don't really, like, talk about it a whole lot. You don't advertise the, Well, yeah, it's one of those things that you, you, when you bring it up, it's, the delivery of the message is really kind of key with that. It's if you start, hey, well, nice to meet you. My name is Bo Beckman. I'm a descendant of E.H. Taylor. Oh, cool, buddy. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> but when people ask about it, if, there's a, if it naturally comes up, then, yeah, I think it's fine to talk about. Um, so my grandfather is E.H. Taylor Hay, Jr., so, E.H. Taylor Jr. was Colonel Taylor, who basically bought this distillery and modernized it. Mm-hmm. So, let's see here. The, uh, it's sixth generation. So, it's basically my great grandfather's great grandfather. And I always like to say at the distillery, Commodore Richard Taylor was here to build the first house on site, which is the old Taylor house. And he was here in, I think it was 17, late 1700s. And he basically built the locks on the Kentucky River to get the water level up. Well, then 100 years later is when Colonel Taylor came in and bought what was mom-and-pop distillery modernized it, kind of turned big bourbon from, or bourbon from mom and pop to modern bourbon industry. What do you mean by modernizing? Like, what, what were they doing? Because I'm pretty sure they weren't sitting there putting
0: in uh, automated control computer systems to be able to do a lot of stuff we see today. Like, what do you, what do you mean in, yeah, in so, their terms of you know, modernization?
1: He basically switched from wooden fermentation tanks to copper line fermentation tanks. He switched from pot stills to column stills. You know, he basically, you know, grew the industry. He would build this place to be a tourism attraction, not just a place where you make whiskey. You know, when he got into the industry, you know, it was still kind of where you had um, farmers making whiskey from leftover grain. And then he kind of switched that to, you're going to bring the grain to us because we're a bigger distillery and, you know, this is a home place. Mm-hmm. So he really built this place to be a tourism attraction. He was just 100 20 years too early, somewhere in that Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, and I guess,
0: um, you know, I, I guess because I don't know the timeline very well, so, like, what's the difference between what we have here versus
1: the old Taylor Distillery, right? Yeah, so the old Taylor Distillery, you actually, we have the, just uncovered the kind of the remnants of it. I guess, like Bourbon Pompeii. Six, six, little, yeah, eight months ago, somewhere in there. So, yeah, Bourbon Pompeii, because that's what it looks like. It just looks like, you know, the stuff that was uncovered that no one knew was there. Um, and so there's some old basically these old fermentation tanks that looked like big brick squares. Mm-hmm. And then we found old copper lining in them. And then above it, he would have kind of like where all the barrels were getting put together. It's almost like a cooperage above them. And then to the off to the left is where he had his nice copper line stills and all that fun stuff. So it was just state of the art at the time. You know, he basically sunk a fortune into the place and went bankrupt doing it, which is when Stagg came in. Mm-hmm. So it was just everything at the time was state-of-the-art. So way, way more advanced than anybody was ready for. All right. And so that was before or after the old Taylor, the castle, and all that sort of stuff? Before. That was before, yeah, okay. So Taylor was here, basically built this distillery, modernized it, sunk a fortune into the place, and went bankrupt doing that. Mm-hmm. So our wholesaler at the time was George T. Stagg. So George T. Stagg had to buy out part of the distiller from Taylor to keep them afloat. Well, Stagg and Taylor didn't like each other at all. So there's a really cool picture in the old Taylor house now where it shows their offices that were right next to each other. And they're just both there sitting there looking grumpy on either side. And it's kind of- like this podcast. Kind of, right? like, yeah, me and you just point out. <laughs> and so Taylor was all about everything has to be top of the line, best quality, don't sacrifice anything, it's gotta be perfect. Mm-hmm. And Stagg was more on the boat of, yes, that's great, we should definitely do that stuff. But if you want to stay in business, we got to make some money, and we need to get some value brands moving through here and do that kind of stuff. So essentially, they didn't like each other at all. They butted heads. So Stag ended up buying Taylor out completely, and that's when Taylor left and opened up some other distilleries. Okay. Now, now that we have a little bit of history lesson, let's
0: get back to the. your, your actual job here because, um, you know, I kind of want to ask a question because I want to talk a little bit about the experience even that I went through today uh, between, uh, you know, uh, Susanna led most of it and then, uh, you know, you kind of chimed in a little bit towards the end. But I want to kind of talk about a little bit um, you know, it was, it was really kind of cool to, to come in. You have a few barrels lined out. You get the, the ability to sit there and, uh, thieve it yourself, put it in your own glass. Um, we've got, you know, either Susanna or yourself, we're going to get to sit there and help you and proof it down to the way that you're going to be able to taste it. So you can actually help choose the barrel, uh, or, you know, you know what your bottle is going to taste like. And then you actually get the barrel proof version. Uh, I don't know, I guess for giggles at that point, right? I mean, I guess, is that the point of being able to say like, oh, you got choice, you got a chance to take it to proof down now what about actually having the barrel proof
1: yeah and then at that point it just comes into how you go about picking your barrel everybody does it differently some people swear that all you have to do is go through the barrel proof and that'll give you an answer um so it's also just kind of make an experience out of it you come to the distillery try it right from the barrel Mm -hmm. you know it'd be sad if you watch me take it right out of the barrel and then just add that water in front of of you and and say "Yeah, sorry can't let you try it at barrel proof Mm -hmm. um so they you know, my kind of philosophy with that is you know the whole you can't judge a book by a cover. My thought is the barrel proof is like the cover, but if you really want to get into it, you got to add water, let it open up, taste it as it's going to be bottled.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, and I guess another question about, let's talk about like uh, the, the amount of barrels, right? Because I've been to some barrel selections and they roll out 12 barrels for you. Uh, today we had four. Um, you know, is that just a, a a part of just the process of whether we have mature whiskey, whether these are the ones that pass the taste panel test? Like what goes into actually having to say like,
1: you get three barrels to choose from, you get five barrels to choose from, so yeah. on and so forth. So. That comes up a lot. And I think it's hard for me to speak for other distillers processes. This is just what my guess would be on why they roll out more than we do. I think the way we do it, we get all the barrels that you're tasting, you're kind of cherry picking from our cherry picks. So they came from a tasting panel. So we've already gone through and vetted all of them. So that was actually Susanna's background was she was in our lab, worked as chemist there, but then was on our tasting panel. So she had, you know, obviously good palate, knows what she's doing in that world. So when we are tasting barrels, we've already gone through those. We've already tasted them. To These are the ones that we deem, you know, good for barrel program. I think when you're going through with other distilleries, they might not have done that yet. You might be tasting those 12 barrels with them for the first time, which is cool. Another experience itself. But that's why you're tasting more because you might come across a couple of duds when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So, or it could be they just said, hey, we roll out 12 barrels because we're okay tasting that. Right. You know, but... If you're tasting at... They might fit the flavor profile. They might not. It yeah. doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. You can you can barrel however you want, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard where you know they talk about doing a tasting at Wild Turkey with Eddie. And it's like, yeah, Eddie and I went through like 20 barrels. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. That's awesome that Eddie can mm-hmm. you know, take the time to do all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's a huge time commitment, too. Right. You know, so really it's just, I think it's different strokes for different distilleries. I've never had a customer that... Well, there was one that might have been mentioned already that didn't like what we rolled out. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't say, oh, these are bad. Give me something different. Right. You know, and what do you do when something like that happens? You say like, oh, try "Well, try again tomorrow. Like, what, do, what do you do? My thought with that is if you don't like any of these, you just don't really like that brand. So why are you picking a barrel of it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, you know, if we can get other barrels rolled out to taste, we'll do that. But I really, that has happened with one person since I've been here in six mm-hmm. years, you know. Which has never been an issue. There's definitely concerns going into the tasting. um, And then people will taste and be like, all right, this is great. Like, right. Like today, you said if you take barrel four from me, you're going to kill me.
0: Yeah, that's what. Because it was funny. Because we had we had a choice of four barrels. I mean, I tasted three of them. They all tasted. The first three were kind of like, oh, you know, like at least two of them were for or they just fell flat for me. But like the fourth one, I mean, it was just completely different. It had spicy notes. Had uh, almost like a coffee taste at the end of it. And I, it was completely different from the other ones. And and that's when you rolled in. And I was about to say, I was like, oh, if you slap a sticker on here and be like, oh, there's a sorry, we forgot to pull this one out
1: from the yeah. last the last one, right? Like I would I was gonna punch you. Like that's what it was gonna come down oh, yeah. to. Right? right? Passionate. And then there might be someone that was there today that was just as passionate about barrel three. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's very subjective. It's what you like. The other challenge too is kind of rule of thumb is when you're tasting above 70 proof, you're going to burn out your palate. Mm -hmm. So if you're tasting 20 barrels and you're tasting barrel proof and 90 proof barrel and 100, you're going to burn out your palate. So by the time you're at the 20th barrel, are you there to pick a good barrel or are you there just to have a good time? Oh yeah, I, both. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've I've done some at Wild Turkey, as you
0: mentioned, and we've every time we do it's it's up to like twelve barrels every single time. And after the sixth or seventh one, I'm just like, oh, screw it. At this point, I'm just going to have fun, right? Because yeah, I'm, I'm it's start- an
1: awesome experience. I'm starting. I'm starting to
0: lose track of like what I'm supposed to be here for, right?
1: Yeah. But it's still fun, nonetheless. Right? Yeah. And so, and a lot of it too is just getting to spend that time with the people, you know, at the distillery and kind of bouncing things off them, asking mm-hmm. questions, and then we get to spend times with, you know, accounts, figure out what's going on on the ground level right what's actually happening in the trenches yeah yeah because it's it's
0: it's nice to sit back here and just push the product right but you know you have no idea what it's like in the actual field per se maybe i have no yeah. idea right if you're anything like me then you can't get enough about bourbon and that's why i'm a subscriber to bourbon plus magazine bourbon plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon the farmers who grow the grain the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. from TikTok to Instagram and beyond, and get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's point of sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning twenty-four-seven help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a one-dollar-per-month trial period at Shopify.com/Bourbon, all lowercase, and go to Shopify.com/Bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today, shopify.com slash bourbon. So uh, another question is like, you know, how often does it that, you know, even today, right? So there was three other barrels we passed on and, but you know, those are, those aren't barrels. You're just going to go and push back and say like, okay, these are going back into the regular Buffalo trace blend. Um, those are going to continue to be on like single barrel picks. But I mean, like how often does it happen? And then like something, some ridiculous guy comes in and goes like, oh, Bo pulled out the honey barrels for us. And this is the one, right? And that's the
1: one that we had passed on, right? Like how often does that happen? So uh, I- that whole thing, to me, there are honey barrels. It's just luck of the draw if you get one. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people, like you know, that's where this whole thing, where people will say, hey, I know you're hiding your favorites in the back. Like, why would we do that? There's no point in us doing that. At the end of the day, we— Bose, people, Because you got another brand coming out called Bose Select Buffalo Trace or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, well, some people will think like, hey, the four barrels of Buffalo Trace we taste today, those are great. But I know you've got two more hidden back there that are your favorites. It's like, well— why would I not have sold those already? Mm-hmm. You know, what would be any sort of purpose of me holding two barrels back that are my favorites? There'd be no point of that. right? Um, and you gotta, what people lose sight of is there is a whole purpose we're doing this barrel program. And at the end of the day, you know, it costs us a lot more to make single barrel Buffalo Trace than it does everyday Buffalo Trace. So if you're the wine rack who's here today again, and you handpicked your own barrel of Buffalo Trace, and then you have a display in your store, and then customers come in and say, "What you know? What do you recommend?" And they recommend that bottle of Buffalo Trace. Customer opens it. If it's not good, we've just wasted everything. Mm-hmm. Everything we did up to that point was a waste of time. So it's in our best interest to be getting the best barrels out there. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's a, that's kind of brings me to the follow-up question. You know, with these honey
0: barrels, I mean, is there? I mean is it really a, such a thing as a honey barrel like do honey barrels really go to the single like, so, uh, sorry the single select program or I mean are, are some of those barrels actually folded into the regular product like absolutely like what I mean I guess kind of what is that delineation factor of being able to say like this one goes to single barrel select this one goes to our regular blend and it doesn't matter if it's Buffalo Trace it could be Blanton's it could be Eagle Rare it could be you know back when Elmer T. Lee was in the single barrel program like um, Old Weller Antique like what what is what is that deterministic factor that actually makes it to say, like, this actually cuts the mustard, be able to say, we're going to put
1: this on a higher pedestal or whatever it is. And it is it a it higher yeah, pedestal? Yeah, and so that doesn't really happen with the barrel perm. The way you come across honey barrels, <laughs> they go like, it's 10 for you, one yeah. for me, 10 for you, one for me. Well, the only way I can dictate if it's honey barrel, I can taste it and I can say I like it a lot, but there are barrels that all taste that other people taste and say, yeah, I mean, that's good, but that's not the best. But then sometimes I'm thinking, well, that was awesome. I don't know what you're thinking. To me, it's when everyone in the room without communicating it, all focuses on the same barrel. Mm-hmm. So there's something about that barrel that everyone loves. And it's hard to really quantify exactly what it is. I kind of think it's all mouthfeel. But, um, so, you know, if there were, let's say there's 100 barrels we made in 2008, you know, we might sample 20 of those, taste them, and then of those 20, we'll bring the ones into the barrel program that we deemed worthy. But there's still 80 that we didn't even taste that are going to the regular product. Mm-hmm. And amongst that 80, there's going to be plenty of great barrels in it. So, you know, when people think, oh, they're taking all the honey barrels out for the barrel program and not going to stock. I mean, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. No.
0: So, I mean, is there I mean, is there something that that does say, like, we're, we're going to choose these ones to go for here? I mean, it,
1: it, it, does the tasting panel actually come to an agreement with it? Or yeah, the tasting panel, so that's the beauty of our tasting panel is they don't have to agree. If one person doesn't like it, it's out. Mm-hmm. So if this morning on the tasting panel, if there were 20-barrel samples of buffalo trace, and you know maybe Susanna, who's still on the tasting panel, went in there and tasted through them, if there's one barrel she deems off-profile, then she'll just turn that sample, and that sample gets rejected. So whether that sample ages up and you can maybe taste it at something when it's older— See if it makes profile, or maybe it's just, hey, this guy ain't cutting the mustard, dumping in with a tank of something younger. You know, okay. you're not gonna waste it. So what do you do about some stores that say, like, I want an off profile? Like
0: they do they do they do they, do they send you that message are like Bo, like we don't stop. really they're just like, I'm
1: like we we know we've had the regular stuff, it's great, but like we want something
0: completely different. Yeah.
1: And so that is the beauty of the barrel program is that no matter what we do, like today, you said barrel four is best barrel bourbon you've ever made, do it again. Mm -hmm. We couldn't, we couldn't make number four again. You know, we could try, we could close, but it wouldn't be the same. So by nature, if every one of those are different, they're all unique, you know, and there's only the barrel you pick is going to yield 200 bottles. And when those are gone, they're gone. So they're all by nature, unique and a little bit off profile. It's like, you know, you can go to the, I'm talking like super off problem. I'm
0: talking like, like like, stinky mustard off-profile, right? Like, like, how often can you, can you say, like, if somebody wants something, like, completely different off the radar, like, can you make that happen? No.
1: No, because, again, we are, if, let's say what we do that, let's say we do that with a barrel of Buffalo Trace, and that winds up at a store, someone picks that bottle up and says, this is good, or this is bad, whatever it is. Well, that's not even gonna We're close to what they're getting the next time. Mm-hmm. So the whole point of the tasting p- panel is to eliminate those outliers. So, you know, you want to keep on profile to what you're selling. Right. That makes sense. And so with that, there's, there's also some things that, maybe I'm,
0: I'm new to it this year, but I've also heard that you guys are starting um, a UCF program for like something like Old Weller Antique, right? Is, is that something brand new to it as well? Yeah, that was just
1: basically by popular demand. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of Funny story where... Back in the day, used to be able to get a barrel of Weller without it being chill filtered, Mm -hmm. and then eventually we stopped doing it because it kind of went to the you know we're trying to keep close to profile, and so people would argue like well if you do non chill filtered you're off profile, and the other part is the shelf presence you know it's easy for us in the world of ooh we love non chill filtered stuff to say who cares you know why do you care about the shelf presence we bought it well you know. Every customer, so every account would have to communicate to their customers. This was non-chill filter. This is what it means, and then that customer would have to understand that and not get, you know, because if you would see the amount of, uh, I don't even know if they're complaints, but inquiries we get from customers from around the you know country around the world mm-hmm. asking these questions, then it kind of changes the way you really a- approach the decision. But I went to a rabbit hole. So the way, you know, with Weller 107 because it's 107 proof. Those oils and fatty acids shouldn't coagulate at that high proof. Right. So, we've been given the go ahead in the barrel program by request only, you can have your barrel be non shell filtered. For a while, I was able to get it done only for bars and then groups where they were buying a barrel from, like, you know, say uh, one of these whiskey groups is getting an allocation from some store. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying, hey, it's never gonna hit the shelves. Right. So, for a while, we were able to get that done. But then we would get emails from retailers saying, "Hey, that's not fair to us. You know, we can communicate all this to our customers too." And it actually, you know, went right to Mark Brown, and he said, "Yeah, I agree, and we're on the same team." So now, by request, you can get well or non chill filtered. So I guess um, for anybody that's new that's listening to this, give them an idea of if
0: you're if you're asking for something non chill filtered, like what's that mean? Like what's that mean in the fishing process? What's that mean for the taste of the, the bourbon? What's it mean for um, if you freeze it and it looks cloudy? Like what,
1: like what does it really mean? Like yeah, so. The whole thing with chill filtering, and my opinion is the jury's still out here. I don't know if it's one of those things when someone picks up a bottle and they know, ooh, this was non-chill filtered, and then they're thinking, oh, this is going to be better because it's non-chill filtered, and then you take a drink. How great is that? It was non-chill filtered. It's the best. So I'm still kind of of the opinion it it's still juries out on if it's better or not. Mm-hmm. You know, It's unique, so people automatically assume unique is better. But really what it is is when you dump a barrel of bourbon out, you have all these oils, fatty acids in there. And when you add water to that, they will tend to coagulate. So that's when you get those suspended, it look like floaters in your bourbon. So really the main reason people are chill filtering is just to make a prettier bottle. So you don't get these people saying, ooh, that's ugly, I'm not gonna buy that. That's got some sort of crap left in it. So with these, um, what that looks like at a processing standpoint is you dump a barrel out and when normally you actually chill that whiskey down because when it gets cold, that's when they start condensing and then you would run that through a filter. So now, instead of chilling it, you basically just dump out the barrel, run it through that filter, so it's non-chill filter. It's still filtered, you still get that you know, charcoal and things like that floating around. It's just you get a little more of those oils and fatty acids still. I was gonna say, so those oils and fatty acids, they
0: don't show up on like uh, an FDA-approved label or something like that? or. It's not like, uh, I mean, I yeah, know. It's not when, a TTB regulated. I was about to say, yeah. I was like, I know when I get a, a pepperoni pizza, sometimes I'll take a, a paper towel and get all like <laughs> yeah. the fatty. Chill the fatty, filter fatty. it. Yeah. <laughs> chill, chill filter all the, the fat out of the pepperoni, yeah.
1: right? Like, I don't know if it has anything to do with it. But, I mean, is there, do you, do you think there's, as you said, the jury's still out on it, right? And I think it comes down to barrel to barrel. There might be, let's say, barrel A. Non-chill filtered, and it was great non-chill filtered. Barrel B, if you chill filtered half and didn't the other half, you might not be able to taste the difference between it. Um, there was a group of guys that came in, and we were talking about this, and they had worked on, they did a project with a micro distiller in Cleveland, and they basically took the same batch of whiskey, and they dumped it all out, and then they ran some of it through a 15-micron pad, some of it through a 10-micron pad, some of it through a 5-micron pad, and the rest non-chill filtered. And then they did a blind tasting. So it's all the same whiskey, just different filtration types. And they did a blind tasting. So when they were telling me this, I'm guessing, okay, well, probably non-chill filter wins because that's what everyone's saying. Yeah, absolutely. And they were like, no, it was the 15, the one with the highest, you know, filtration one. And I was surprised by that. And, you know, I think this is, it's very anecdotal. That's just one story, one thing. But at the same time, it's, jury's still kind of out. Is it better? It's in your head, right? Yeah, that's why I always tell everyone to the beginning: taste everything blind. Don't know what you're tasting, then figure out what you like. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you know it's non-chill filter going in, and you've been told that so-and-so got this and it was the best barrel they got, and you pick it up and drink it, you're like, "Oh, that is great." Then they're they're just happy people no matter what, right? Yeah,
0: especially at that point. Well, so uh, I know I know the clock's ticking for us. So I want to ask you uh, two more questions. Um, you know, coming to a barrel pick for a lot of whiskey geeks is like the ultimate experience for them. Some of them, at this point, what do you attribute the the biggest success of the single barrel program?
1: Mm. So it was kind of, we talked about this at lunch a little bit. I think it's just all the incentives are aligned. So from- And you had mentioned earlier, you said everybody wins. Everybody right? wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, well, it used to be that. Now with the whole allocation issue. <laughs> well, of, let's, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll sweep that one at the rug. But, but really, ahead. yeah, I mean, so if you start from the account, they get to handpick something and pay the same price for it is one thing. So they're hand picking a barrel. So now they have they're educated on the barrel. They, you know, can tell all about the taste profile to their customers. So when their customers walk in and they, you know, are looking for something, the retailer can say, like I went there, I hand picked this. They're educating the customer, they're pushing, you know, their our whiskey out the door. I'm just talking about our barrel program by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, sure everyone's similar. So you have basically consumers getting educated and kind of learning about our brands, learning about the whiskey we make. And then the other part is they come to the distillery a lot of times. So the accounts are here. So then we're educating them. We're showing them all, all how it works. And basically, you know, they get to pick great barrels. They're selling it all. They get to put their name on it. And at the same time, they're pushing our product. Hey, this is our handpicked barrel of Buffalo Trace. So kind of, you know, when the tide rises all the boats in the harbor rise you know Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of gaining out of this we're all on the same page right there's no like uh, works for you doesn't work for us type deal yeah there's nobody that's being shorthanded out of any of this yeah including uncle sam he's getting his money too right yeah uncle sam gets his money the wholesalers in the middle you know they don't have to do much legwork on these barrel orders they just have to kind of you know know where it's getting shipped off to right Yeah, yeah and i don't want to undersell what they're doing they have plenty of work to do but they can basically just collect a commission check on them barrel which is 20 cases normally accounts not buying 20 cases at a time mm-hmm. you know so wholesaler wins account wins supplier wins consumer gets value you know hand-picked barrels that taste great they don't have to go searching all over kingdom come to find them all right? you know right. absolutely so like i'm with you just kind of a lot you know everyone wins so uh,
0: you know, we talked about December fourth is the day that uh, every liquor store should have ingrained in their memory or well, their ice not liquor stores. It,
1: December fourth just for consumers. For so consumers,
0: yeah, liquor stores have to go through their own. Okay, own, so okay, so let's yeah. rewind back. So me and a consumer, like I can, yeah. I can sign up. Bourbon
1: groups, yes, you oh, can sign Jesus, up. Jesus, we shouldn't have put that out there. Yeah, okay. Well, that's who we want. To, you know, <laughs> that's who we built the website for. Just as soon as we were done allocations. All right. Well, all right. Now, now
0: I know what to do. Now we we just ruined it for the entire bourbon industry. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the stores, right? Because now we we recognize that there are ables for, for individuals and not only that, um, mm-hmm. those individuals that want to go and buy a barrel. I mean we're talking upwards of like ten thousand dollars for this barrel,
1: right? Like what are we talking? Um so really pricing is always kind of you know touchy just because it's very variable. Yeah, because I mean, it, I, I, uh, want a, I want want a 15 year old Van Winkle single barrel. You, know, you can make that happen, right? Yeah, I keep waiting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, Buffalo Trace. So, Buffalo <laughs> yeah. Trace retails for around 25 bucks a bottle. Uh-huh. It yields about 200 bottles. So, it's just 25 times 200 plus sales tax. Okay. So, you're, there's not a set cost per barrel. It's You're only buying the bottles that came out of it. And you don't have to go through a store for that. That's, well, no, you do. So, that's. Oh, the thing. Now, you're, now you're screwing with me now. Yeah. So, you would basically, like, Wine Rack today. Yeah. You would say, hey, Wine Rack, I'm buying a barrel from Buffalo Trace. Will you clear the purchase for me? Oh, okay. So they are the only ones you can really uh, talk to about price per bottle. Gotcha. You know, in Kentucky, they can tell it to you for whatever they want. But you get to pick the retailer that right. you buying the barrel through. Oh, okay. Now it makes sense. So—, so so let's
0: let's go ahead and we'll move on to those stores because those stores are the ones that you know they're the ones that are really they're the ones that itching to get in here. So like, what what advice do you have for them to be able to say like, if you want to come and get a barrel or something like this is this is the best route to make that happen? Yeah, I mean it's not a, it, there's not an easy roadmap for them. I mean because it, it seems like today like just the Barrel Select program in general doesn't matter where you go like those are those are the ones that that really consumers are going afterward after after for because the the. The limited releases, like those, are just getting too hard to come by now. And but the the single barrels, like you know, that's you know, a store that will only get five bottles of something that's very limited, they'll get you know, two hundred bottles of something that is a single barrel. So yeah. uh, the love can get spread around a lot more, especially at a single location. Um, so I mean, what, what do you what do you kind of picture as a way to those kind of stores be able to build those sorts of business relationships?
1: Yes, with? and so just in our world, so I can speak from Sazerac. It's hard to say how with other distillers, uh, ours the barrels are allocated so just patience and then talking to your wholesaler So you know if you want a barrel all of a sudden in your store and you just opened today and you say I want a barrel I want a barrel both the traces it's my turn well they already allocated and made all their commitments for this year mm-hmm. so at the beginning of next year then they're kind of do all that again so they might tell you hey we'll sit until next year you know wait and then just work with the wholesalers say well, you know what do I have to do to get a barrel what's the process how do you guys go about this because every wholesaler is different. Right. So, you know, ultimately how they do it in California is probably going to be a little different how they do it in Kentucky. And I guess that's another last question. So like how often do people come from out of state
0: just to do the barrel picks? Like, is it 90% of the time or are you shipping samples to them? Or are they sending some
1: other group to go do it for them? So more are coming here now than ever. And a lot of that is because one, it's, you know, people are more interested in bourbon and they can probably write it off as an expense. So yeah, why not, it's a right? good educational trip. Um, the other part, too, is if you're only going to get one barrel this year. You know, It didn't used to be limited. So now if you're only going to get one barrel, then kind of make it more of a thing around it. Right. You know, come visit. You know, basically, someone here every day. Well, awesome. Yeah. So, Bo, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure
0: to, oh. uh, to relive some of these, you know, some of the history that you talked about, uh, as well as having you come back on and, uh, you know, Get a re- good refresh of content, right? I mean, it's been since episode nine, so now we're in the hundreds, and and you finally made it back on, right? So I'm, I'm glad we're able to make that happen. Hopefully, I can be around for
1: episode 200 when you got a whole
0: yeah uh, camera crew. And Maybe, Maybe we'll have yeah you. we'll have we'll have like light shades and also sort of mm, that kind of crazy yeah. crap, right? <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Fun. So if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow everybody on uh, or sorry follow us on social media with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what you hear, make sure you uh, spread the word. Right? Tell uh, uh, tell a friend that's listening, getting to bourbon, and say, like, you should go check out this podcast. Make sure you give us a review on iTunes. And if you have any other social suggestions, make sure you send us an email to do at bourbonpursuit.com. And if you own or know somebody that's in a, uh, an industry that does a lot of uh, marketing or something like that, we are open for partnerships. You can go to bourbonpursuit.com. There's a partnerships tab at the very, very top. And you can go ahead and you can read our media kit and get some of the information about you know, our downloads and everything like that that sort of happens to the show. But again, Bo. Thank you again for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope I get a shirt because I did it. Oh, I think we can make that happen. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you all next week.